We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Pacer Nation, what is going on? It is your boy Mike Focci here, joined by my co-host, as always, Alex Goldman. Alex, what's going on today? Well, Focci, it's not it's not as exciting as it was talking with Kent about the Lakers win. Today we get to talk about a loss, so it's not as fun, but it's always good talking Pacers basketball. And, you know, Foch, I, I know that this was a hard loss for us, but I'm excited to see how the Pacers bounce back against Houston tomorrow, or if you're listening to this today in the afternoon, and then how they look against Miami on Friday. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm going to try and do it with a glass half full approach, then half, then half empty, because maybe mm-hmm. the Pacers needed this butt kicking to really know, guys, lock and load, this is going to be a really hard playoff matchup because Miami's they've handed to us they've they've beat us now three times on the year it it sucks that we've never had our full roster for those games but you have to play with the players that you have and the Pacers I would say yesterday played one good quarter of basketball and three pretty poor quarters and it showed and I want to see the adjustments that Nate McMillan is able to make following this loss because he wasn't making them at halftime and it worried me quite a bit well we we got off to a slow start and we we fought back in that second quarter and i believe that's the quarter you're talking about where Mm -hmm. we played well and you know you head into halftime tied 48 all which is still pretty low scoring for the for the bubble pacers uh just have 48 points at half and then you come out and you get outscored by 22 points in the second half so not not a good showing there for the pacers in that third quarter and you know, we got a lot of things to talk about here, so let's just jump into it. We have each have three points once again as we break down this game. So, Fachi, what is your first point? 
So one of the first things that I noticed, and I think a lot of people did, is Miami's defensive approach on TJ Warren yesterday. Yeah. I thought you got to tip your hat to Spolstra and, and crew. I thought they did a great job of limiting Warren. I mean, whether it was double teams, whether it was Jimmy Butler on him, I mean, it just seemed like they had an answer for TJ. And look, we all kind of felt like we didn't want to admit it, but we felt like at one point TJ Warren was going to come back down to earth. And he scored yeah. 12 points by the halftime. We were all thinking, hey, okay, he's got 12. Jimmy Butler has 10. All right, well, what's the second half? Alex, he went scoreless in the second half. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's not that his jumper wasn't really falling, 5-14, nothing to write home about. It's that he was pretty much taken out of the game. He mm. actually really just wasn't able to get into a sink. He wasn't shooting the ball that much. And it, it's unfortunate, but I, to crunch some numbers – Jimmy Butler guarded T.J. Warren for 25 possessions yesterday. T.J. Warren only scored two points on one of three shooting. So I think maybe Warren needs to have the confidence to let it fly a little bit more or try and shoot yourself out of it, whatever it is. I I think the Pacers and and T.J. Warren are going to make that adjustment, and we're going to have to because T.J. Warren can't be settling for 12 points if we're going to face the Heat in the playoffs. Yeah, and I, mean, I, th- I think a lot of it too, Foch, was just the the shot attempts that he got. They weren't good looks. I they mean, weren't. some of them he had some threes that didn't fall, but if you go back and look at his shot chart, it just wasn't great looks, and it wasn't like they did a lot of they did a lot of things to disrupt the entire Pacers flow. And uh, this is one of my points too, so I'll I'll just kind of jump into it. And it's they killed the Pacers' offensive rhythm. There is absolutely zero offensive rhythm, and a lot of it had to do with Bam Adebayo and. <laughs> Uh, what was annoying was the Pacers continued to run pick and roll actions, pick and pop actions with Miles with Bam as the primary defender, and that is what was leading to double teams. That was what was leading to him, you know, being able to get back in space. I mean, Bam Adebayo is one of the best defenders in the NBA, no and doubt. last night it was on it was on full display. Last night there is no question in my mind that Bam Adebayo was a top three defender after the way he played those coverages. He he dictated what the Pacers did, and that's why the Pacers had no offensive rhythm. And you got a guy like Goran Dragic and a guy like Duncan Robinson out there, and, and they're really not even being put in the pick-and-roll action. So one thing that I would like to see the Pacers do, maybe not on Friday, maybe save it for the playoffs, but whoever whoever is guarding Duncan Robinson or whoever is being guarded by Duncan Robinson or Goran Dragic, I would like them to set some screens. Even though it might be a little bit smaller of a screen and it might not be you know as, as big as Miles setting one, I think if, if Bam is going to guard Miles – you spread Miles out, put him in the corner, kind of like we had earlier with with Sabonis, and get get Bam out of the play because that's the best way to attack this Heat team is leave Bam out of the way. And if he comes over to help, then you have Miles sitting open for three. So that's that's one way you could do it. But it was just really frustrating last night. They continued to do it over and over and over again. Bam had a couple of blocks, but he didn't always block everything. But he definitely altered shots, made the team you know really hesitate when they were taking their shots too. So. You know, just not a great game offensively for the Pacers, and a lot of that is uh, got to give credit to Bam Adebayo. No, you have to. I mean, make no mistake about it. Bam is going to end up on one of the all-defensive teams for this year. He has been mm-hmm. a, just a great breakthrough player. Uh, the Pacers got themselves in a hole early, and they really just were not able to dig themselves out of it. it it's just it was a frustrating game. They shoot sub forty percent on the game for I mean they've only done that a few times on the year uh they're winless when you score under 100 points I mean there's a ton of things that add up to it just it was not their night this was probably 
I want to say the worst that the Pacers have looked in quite some time. Obviously, since the return of the bubble, I know at Phoenix, they didn't look good at times, but I just felt like outside of that second quarter, the Pacers looked outmatched pretty much all game. And, yeah. it, you know, it, it hurts It hurts to say, but Alex, the Heat shot 55% in the second half. I mean, offensively, we weren't doing it. Defensively, we weren't doing it. The matchup kind of scares me a little bit. Um the Heat, they're 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 at they're long at times. They're they're some great defenders. So I just hope that we make uh, we make the adjustments. I don't want to be jumping around too much. So I'll be going to my next point, uh, yeah. which which I kind of talked about a little bit. But coming out flat after halftime, Alex, how did it happen? The Pacers, we mentioned, they tied everything up at forty eight, and I was feeling good. I was thinking, oh my god, this is a playoff preview. You know. Like, bring it on. I'm about to make some popcorn, sit down, enjoy a good game. And and the Pacers came out as flat as can be. The Heat opened up the second half, back-to-back threes by Duncan Robinson, Jay Crowder. All of a sudden, Jay Crowder is just he's just a good three-point shooter again, apparently. Um, and just it, it, the lead got as high as 18 in the third. What were your thoughts yeah. watching that third quarter? Well, and I, I think you hit on it with that strong second quarter. I, I thought, oh, the Pacers settled down. They got themselves into a little bit of a groove here. Maybe this will carry over into the second half. Let's see how they come out and play. And they got down 10 real quick. I think it was a 10-0 run to start the second half, if I'm not mistaken. And it was just like, what just happened? You know, it was just like, I, I mean, and like you said, Jay Crowder. I, I think what, Jay Crowder is one of those guys, he's so streaky. When he hits one, uh, he's pretty much going to go like 80% for the night if he hits that first one. But if he misses his first or second, then he's going to be one of those guys that will continue to shoot him, but he's not going to be very efficient. So, you know, Duncan Robinson, I mean, we know he's a good three-point shooter. He's a little bit bigger than I remembered. I, I kind of forgot how long he is. Uh, same with Tyler Hero. They're both pretty big for uh, their size as mm-hmm. far as height-wise. And, I mean, I just think that Miami is such a matchup problem for the Pacers, um, especially if you look at how they came out. and. I just kind of hit on it, but a lot of it really had to do with how they were attacking, and they continued to to attack Bam Adebayo, which made zero sense, and it was a lot of Malcolm attacking. It wasn't a lot of Victor attacking, and it wasn't a lot of TJ attacking, and I'm not sure if TJ was just hesitant because he didn't feel like he had an advantage against Jimmy Butler, but it, it just felt like he was uncomfortable, and he couldn't really get anything going. Sometimes I would almost like to see TJ Warren play a little bit of the of the screener, in that pick and roll offense just to get him doing something different besides just kind of waiting outside for the ball. He wasn't doing a lot of back cutting either. Miami was really kind of controlling that and it got some really contested shots that didn't fall. That's kind of what happened. I mean, the Pacers did have some nice looks that didn't fall, but they also were, you know, forced to take shots that you don't want to take like some long twos. I can remember at least four or five at the top of my head where they took some really dumb long twos that were like right in front of the three point line. So I'm not. I'm not really sure what they can do to come out a little bit stronger, but they just they gotta they gotta play with better urgency, and I think that they come out a little slow, and uh, it's almost like they have to get warmed back up again to, to start that second half. Yeah, it's it's just unfortunate because you know like we talked about the way the Pacers closed out the second quarter. I, I thought that they were gonna just turn it around. I, you know, I really did think that, and at that point, as I mentioned before. Warren goes scoreless for the second half. I mean, it was the fourth quarter was essentially the game was over by then, basically. Um, but one thing that I wanted to touch on in terms of coming out sloppy, the the turnovers. Alex, what yeah. happened to this team that we were watching a couple of games ago? Through the first three games of the bubble, the Pacers were averaging nine turnovers. 
17 last night. Leads to 19 <laughs> points for Miami. Over the last three games, 52 turnovers. I mean, that's an average of about 16 turnovers per game, maybe about 17. Yeah. It, it, it's just it's too much. And that ball protection, you protect the rock. I mean, you're you're gonna you're gonna limit possessions for your opposing team. It's just, it's just unfortunate because all those things they add up, and uh, it added up to a loss last night. Well, I'll tell you one thing, Fachi. The two things that have been common in the Pacers' losses is T.J. Warren hasn't lost his mind, and yep. he combined for 28 points in the two losses. So I think that plays a lot of it mm-hmm. uh, because T.J. Warren has been so good. I mean, 39 against the Lakers. 34 against Washington, 32 against Orlando, and 53 against Philadelphia. When he's out of his mind offensively, the Pacers are hard to beat. You know, you look last night, and I believe um, I believe it was like 28 combined points or something like that, 38 combined points for Victor, Malcolm, and uh, TJ last night. But the previous game, they combined for 85. Ooh, so the big difference. You know, big difference. And, and I think what you're talking about with turnovers, though, it's just the opponent, and it's the defense. I mean, Phoenix has been playing really solid defense, and we turned the ball over a lot against Phoenix. Uh, the Lakers were not great defensively in that game. They didn't look very solid. But Miami came out. We've talked about their defense quite a bit, and I just that's kind of what caused it. Um, I think one thing I would have done, because I feel like T.J. McConnell was really the only major spark last night off the bench. You know, um, early in that second quarter, he had two and one plays, which yeah, was great. Yeah, and uh, while I've loved Aaron Holiday, I don't think he did anything like wrong last night in his way of playing. But I think it would have been kind of nice to maybe sub in TJ McConnell earlier on in that third quarter when they were getting off to a sluggish start. Put him in for Aaron, let him run the offense a little bit, play Malcolm off ball, and just try to get something different in there, someone that's going to be a little more scrappier. I know Aaron's scrappy, but it's McConnell brings a different scrappiness to the court. And um, I feel like he might have brought some more energy to that Pacers starting unit to give them a little bit of life. But, you know, I, I could kind of tell when we got into the fourth quarter and they uh, started the fourth quarter with pretty much 10 bench guys or five bench guys with McDermott, Holiday, Justin, um, McConnell, Goga and Jakar that they were just kind of throwing in the towel. So I'm not I'm not sure what the Pacers can do Vach, to, to get these turnovers back down to what they're doing but they're gonna they're gonna need to take care of the basketball if they're gonna continue to get beat on the glass and that's one of the points i want to bring up yeah no i i couldn't agree more on that because you know that's just the recipe of the nba i mean you protect the ball you're gonna have a better chance to win the game Pacers have protected the ball all season they they've they've done well with that um miami just as you mentioned they are one of the better defensive units in this league so it's gonna happen um yeah but you know moving over to to my uh my next point McDermott struggles. Alex, are you yeah. getting nervous? We're going in the playoffs right now, and this is not regular season McBuckets. I mean, I saw people, I mean, he was getting bashed on Twitter a bit. Look, McDermott, he had a great regular season. I mean, we were petitioning for him to be in the three-point contest because he was like top five in percentage. I think he was shooting like 45% for most of the year. Since the bubble has, has come back, I mean... McDermott, I'm looking at it right now. He's, uh, I want to say, two for fourteen from three. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's getting ugly. I mean, last night, the one thing that I liked that I was able to take away from this was McDermott had eleven shots. He had the ability to try and shoot himself out of the situation, and it really didn't work. Four of eleven, like you know, five of eleven obviously sounds a lot better. Four of eleven, not great, but at the same point, one of five from three, starting to get a little bit nervous. He still has two games to kind of get it going. 
What are your thoughts on McDermott's struggles right now? Well, it's not just him. It's Justin Holiday too. I oh, think yeah. the two have combined to be like 7 of 43 or something like that from beyond the arc. I can't remember the exact number, but it's very very close to that number. And it's it's been bad. And, you know, everybody keeps talking about it. I talked about it on, uh, on Sunday with Kent. It, it continues to be the Sabonis effect. Uh, Domas, just, you can just tell the difference between the bench unit with Domas and without Domas. And, you know, another player that I think we've just kind of forgot about is Jeremy Lamb. I mean, imagine if we had Jeremy Lamb. I mean, you're probably not seeing Aaron Holiday start, mm-hmm. which Jeremy Lamb is like six foot, what, six, six foot seven, something like that, maybe even six foot eight. So, I mean, he, he was having a really solid year. If he doesn't get hurt, if Sabonis isn't hurt, this is a totally different team and a team that I know would probably be more competitive than the team we've seen uh, over the bubble. Even though I know this bubble team has been really fun to watch and I wouldn't trade the moments that we've got to, to share with each other as fans watching T.J. Warren go off like he has. But overall, I mean, if you're talking about winning a playoff series, it's going to be very hard to do without both Domas and Jeremy Lamb. Um, and, you know, I I, I just got to say, McMuckets, <laughs> he basically is a guy that relies on people to get him good looks. Mm-hmm. He's not just a, he's not a guy that creates off the dribble. Yeah. So if he's not going to be able to get good looks, then he's not going to perform. And that's just – that's just the nature of the beast, and unfortunately, that's what we're going to have to deal with. But uh, can I can I take a minute here to go in a little bit on Miles Turner? Oh, hey, not, have the floor. Not not just to call him out specifically, but the rebounding has been atrocious um, throughout the entire uh, bubble. I think we're now negative sixty two against opponents and rebounding. Disgusting. And if you divide that, if you divide that by the six game we played, that's relatively about. 10.2 rebounds, I think, a game that you're missing. And Sabonis is a 13 uh, rebound a game type of player. So that that definitely shows you where you're missing Domas. But one thing I want to say, I mean, I went back and looked. Head-to-head matchups. I'm not even going to even go over the Embiid when we've talked about it. Thomas Bryant, 20 points. Miles, 17 points. Bryant has 11 rebounds. Miles has 9. Bryant has 3 blocks. Miles has 2 blocks. Go to the next game. Vucevic, 24 points, 10 rebounds. Miles Turner, 21 points, 6 rebounds, 1 block. You know, so those are they're close, but he's still getting outplayed. DeAndre Ayton, twenty three points, ten rebounds, and four blocks. Miles, seventeen points, eight rebounds, and three blocks. Now, the only game that Miles actually played better than the starting center was against the Lakers. Javale McGee played thirteen minutes. It was actually Dwight Howard who came in off the bench and had ten points and twelve rebounds, compared to Miles, seven points and three rebounds. And then last night, uh, Bam Adebayo, ten points, nine rebounds, four assists, three blocks. Miles had 9.7 rebounds, two assists, two blocks. So, you know, if you take away that heavy, you know, game where he got out-rebounded by 19 rebounds to uh, to uh, Embiid, he still got out-rebounded in every game. And I'm not asking him to be the sole rebounder, but it's it's more so a matchup thing that I'm concerned about because if Miles can't outplay Thomas Bryant, if he can't outplay Vucevic, DeAndre Ayton, you know, a guy like Dwight Howard off the bench, you know, you're going to need Miles to be more efficient on the glass, more aggressive. And in those games where he scored a lot of low points, the seven against uh, LA, the nine against Miami last night. And um, I don't even, and the one against uh, Philadelphia, he didn't have a lot of three point shots go in. And when he doesn't get going from three, then really offensively, he, he doesn't help the Pacers much. So they got to figure out a way to a get him more involved in the offense um, where he's making the bigs, <laughs> you know, 
you got to use him as a stretch five a little bit more, I think, and take the bigs off the dribble and uh, get him some open looks. Or or they've got to figure something out because continuing to get outplayed, no matter what the center matchup is, it's a it's a bit frustrating to see. I'm worried. I am worried about the Miles Turner matchup because it seems like you know we're chances are we're playing Miami and Bam. Yeah, like. We, we talked about it. He didn't have, like, a great game, but he affected a lot. And when he has a great game, I think that we're going to be in trouble. I mean, Bam only played 22 minutes last night. So, yep. I mean, he really didn't play that much, and he affected a lot in the game. So, I'm worried about that because Turner has had, you know, at times some, some great offensive games, but... I feel like defensively, like we need just you need you clog in the paint more. The the rebounds that you mentioned before, I mean it's it's not an option to have three rebounds against the Lakers, like stuff like that. It, it can't yeah. happen. I mean, I have been drilling in that this rebound differential has been huge. The, the, you cannot win these games in the playoffs by getting out rebounded by ten rebounds or more a game. It will mm-hmm. not happen. And last night was another example of that. Pacers being out-rebounded by 14 rebounds. Sure, it cannot all fall on one man's shoulder, but you're going to need Miles to be at, it's got to be at at least 8 to 10 rebounds a game or just affecting the paint far more. Because, you know, sometimes people will see two blocks and, oh, that's great. Sure, not everything's going to show up in a box score or whatever, but it's just... There's so much more that goes into just being, you know, a shot blocker. You, you need to be a great yeah. defender down low. And at times, I mean, it's getting bullied around. And mm-hmm. without Domas, it, you know, not one man can just pick up the slack there. But you can see at times we're getting crushed nightly on the boards. And it, yeah. it worries me a lot. Well, and I mean, the other thing is you don't have another option off the bench. None. And if he's only going to play 24 minutes, that means that for the other 24 minutes, you're playing Jakar Sampson and Goga Batadze as your backup center. And unfortunately, last night, I'm sure you noticed this a lot too, it just felt like Derek Jones Jr. was getting lob after lob after lob because there's no big for the Pacers to go down there and try to stop the guards from driving. And I know that Domas isn't a great rim protector, but, you know, he can – uh, stabilize things with what he can do on offense. So it, it honestly, like even though I'm kind of getting on miles case here a little bit for losing every head to head matchup, I think he's got to in the playoffs, he's going to have to pick up the minutes per game. And he's going to stay out of foul trouble because this second unit, I mean, I would not be opposed to maybe with like two or three minutes left in the first quarter playing Goga or Jakar in those minutes and then bringing miles back in for the second and try to get him it, it, it close to 35, 38 minutes a game because defensively the Pacers cannot uh, afford to have Goga or Jakar out there for double-digit minutes because they they don't have the rim protection. And and I'm not even saying offensively. I'm talking more about defense because if Bam Adebayo is on the bench, that's fine, but Kelly Olenek is way too big uh, for uh, and too smart, honestly, even though that step-back three was atrocious. Uh, <laughs> yes, was. But he's just he's just too big. And too smart for a guy like Jakar and a guy like Goga to be guarding him one on one. So that's that's the only thing that I would change up, and that's that's my only you know critique of of McMillan. There is you know come playoff time, I want to see if he can play Miles a little bit more because the Pacers are going to need him to be big and uh, play more minutes. 
and there, hopefully with that he'll get more rebounds. <laughs> there's no other option. I mean that that's that's just what has to happen. I mean we're rooting for Goga. We are, but it's evident he's not ready. I mean there there is just there's things that just happen on the court where you see something really good. Like when he blocked LeBron the other night, it was like, Oh my god But then you'll see him turn the ball over a little bit or pick up a foul that, that shouldn't have happened and it's just like Come playoff time, I mean, I find it so hard to believe that Goga is going to be able to play more than five minutes and be effective. It seems yeah, like he... he'll have to play, you know, five minutes at times, but I don't know if he'll be effective. I mean, I don't know if he's, quote, saving his best for last. I find that hard to believe. Um, but it just feels like Jakar, we love Jakar, but he's undersized. He, he's hustling. He's trying to give us everything he can, yeah. but there's limitations there. This unfortunately falls on Miles to pick up the slack. You have to be getting like double-digit rebounds, it, it feels like. And if you're going to be in foul trouble, which sometimes it's unfortunate, can't control, we're in deep trouble if that happens. Yeah, and I, and I think one thing too, like we saw, we talked about Jimmy Butler and uh, the Miami Heat, whoever was guarding the Pacers big whenever they would go set a screen for the ball handler. We saw a lot of double teams on TJ Warren. Well, I know a lot of those came with Jakar Sampson in the game. And if you're any if you're a smart coach, which Eric Spolster is definitely a smart coach, anytime a guy like Jakar Sampson, a guy who's not really an offensive threat, is trying to set a screen, you take the ball out of the the ball handler's hands and make him pass it up because you're you're basically trying to say, "Hey, Jakar, we're not worried about you, so we're going to leave you to double team this guy." And they're basically just saying, "Let Jakar do what he wants to do because we don't we don't have to worry about him." And that's why I'm saying you cannot do that with Miles because Miles is smart enough. He can get to the basket. He can shoot the three-point ball. So it's, you know, as much as we're, we're, we might be a little bit harsh on him, he is very important. And I think that's what I'm more frustrated with is he's the only true center the Pacers have, the only reliable center they have, and he's got to be better. And I just want to see him step up to the plate. He doesn't have to score 10 to 15 points. I don't even care about the points. I, don't care I just want to see him on the floor. Yeah, I want his defense to impact games more than just block shots. I want to see his defense, you know, continue to force guys to to shoot tough shots. And nobody really is afraid to go at Miles. And that's just kind of my frustration. Yeah, I feel like right now, you know, to to cap off of the Miles part that we talked about, like if he's scoring like 10 points but playing phenomenal defense, Pacers are going to be just fine. You know, but if you're going to have, you know, yeah. If you're going to have 14 points but just three rebounds, I mean, I find it hard to believe that, that the Pacers are going to be winning. It, you know, it, it just it's there's just a certain recipe that you need in this league and rebounding now and defending the paint. It's it has to be one of them because centers right now that they're they're dictating the game against us. At times, it's it's unfortunate. But one thing I need to get your thoughts on, Alex, you had a tweet that kind of blew up a bit. And it, and it regards Oladipo <laughs> after the game, smiling and dapping up Jimmy Butler. What were your thoughts on that? Because a lot of Pacer Nation was was pretty wrong. Yeah, so um, before that, real quick, I just want to say shout-out to Edmund Sumner last night for his um, defense, trying to, trying to keep shooters off the three-point line, like Tyler Hero and stuff like that. That was the only real positive I saw from... Uh, most of the game last night is pretty ugly. But um, anyway, I just want to give him a shout-out because he was my third and final thing I wanted to hit on before I moved on. But, um, but uh, yeah, so it's funny because I had a couple people actually message me, and they said, you got to be effing kidding me when uh, they saw that video. 
And then one person said, this makes me so mad. So that's why I just tweeted out. I'm like, well, hey, Pacer Nation, how does this make you feel? And obviously it was somebody else that posted the video. I just shared it with my mm-hmm. own thoughts. And, um, yeah, I mean, you know what? I know a lot of players are chummy chummy. But the way that Vic looked at Bam Adebayo it was more of a – it was a different look than he usually gives most players. I'm not trying to overhype it. The rumor is he has very close ties to Miami. Pacers are a terrible matchup against Miami. I'm still very firm in my belief that I'd rather play Boston. But, you know, I mean, if if Vic is going to be, you know, wanting to win big, I mean, we're going up against Miami first. If we get swept by Miami or losing five or six, Vic's a competitor. But at the end of the day, I mean, I think he wants to win, and I don't blame him. I'd want to win, too, if I was an NBA player. And, um, you know, Miami's a pretty good team. And if he's got friends down there, whatever, I mean, it didn't really affect me at all. It's just regular season stuff, and these players are always, you know, doing this after games they're all friends and i know victor is a very charismatic guy and likes to be liked by other people so it didn't have an effect on me much but you know i I was just interested to see what pacer fans thought because some people were mad some people were mad at me for posting it some people were mad and just general because he's doing that after a loss but not what i want him to do but it doesn't really mean that much to me yeah no i i hear you i understand both sides of it i think it meant more because it was miami to pacer fans you saw the way that they came together yesterday and bonded i mean everybody changing their profile picture to tj warren it, it was pretty awesome to see just it just felt yeah. like there was an added atmosphere to yesterday's game i mean i was getting the text from super casual basketball fans that never follow the Pacers and they're talking about TJ Warren who I'm confident didn't even know he existed about a week ago I mean that's we had the tension of everybody and the game did not go how we hoped but to see Vic out like that you you want him to kind of at times feel like we feel of like ah oh, come on don't shake their you know don't shake their hand that's the enemy but you know these players, it's different with them. You know, everybody kind of talks to everybody. The, the days of the, you know, MJ not associating with his competition in the 90s, it's pretty much gone. There, there's like yeah. only a handful of players that follow that. It just kind of hurt more because Miami and Old Depot have kind of been rumored together a little bit. And you kind of just, I don't know, it just felt like you, maybe you could adapt them up and kind of walked away a little bit more. It seemed like they were kind of just hanging out, but I don't think I don't want to look into it too much. I'm not going to write Oladipo off or anything like that. We play them again on Friday. We play them in in the playoffs. Here's what I will say: Can we not see that in the playoffs? Yeah, it, the only time I I could justify seeing it is if it's after one of them's out of the playoffs once the series is over. But if he's doing that in between games, then that that would definitely rub me the wrong way. It's a regular season game. Doesn't mean that much. You know, they beat us. They they handed it to us and uh, shake their hand and move on and, mm-hmm. and say, great game plan. We got to get better. But, yeah, I agree with you. If it happens in the playoffs after, like, game one or game two, yeah, it'll be kind of frustrating. And uh, I, I think a lot of fans will turn on Oladipo if he does that. So he uh, he knows what he's doing. And um, he knows exactly that every camera is going to catch every move he makes. So if he's chumming it up with those guys, he knows exactly what he's doing. And maybe he wants to get people talking because he just enjoys uh, seeing all that stuff going around. But uh, 
But yeah, it definitely blew up, and Miami fans are getting overconfident that they're going to get him. So I really hope that he doesn't go there, just because I hate Miami fans, and I think like ten or fifteen of them followed me after I posted that. Mm-hmm. So I'm not I'm not really sure why they'd follow me, but hey, you know what? Um, thanks for thanks for joining. But we're going to talk Pacers, so don't expect too much <laughs> Miami talk. <laughs> I could agree more. They came for me too after the game, and hey, you know that that is the price you pay when uh, you know you bleed the blue and gold, and you just you just man, you just want the Pacers to win each game, and you can't. But all I know is that there's an opportunity to potentially face the Heat nine times in the next, about, I think it's like 10 days or something just ridiculous. I mean, it's coming up, or nine times. You know, whatever it is, we're going to play them potentially 11 times this year. So yeah. you can you can beat a team. It's hard to beat a team three or four times in the regular season. That's tough. But can the Heat beat us seven or eight times on the year? I mean, if they can, then, then you know, we're not in the same group as them. And that would be rough to admit. But, hey, if you're going to beat us three or four times, do it in the regular season because it matters most coming up. Yeah, let's see how the Pacers come back ready for the playoffs because this is the probability of a Pacers-Miami series is like 99.999%. Mm-hmm. It would it would take two Sixers wins in the final three games and the Pacers losing out uh, for Philadelphia to jump us in the in the standings. So we would have to fall back to six. But don't envision that happening as they set all five of their of their key players today. Only trail five right by five right now at the half. But um, yeah, I mean it. it in this series, so I'm excited for that. But Foch, we got another game t- tonight, um, tomorrow night against the uh, Houston Rockets, four o'clock. And uh, I'd like to preview this game. You want to take a quick break, and then we'll preview this game. Sounds good. Let's do it. Alrighty, Pacer Nation, we are back, and we have ourselves a very entertaining game against the Houston Rockets, 4 o'clock Wednesday afternoon. Another early start for the Indiana Pacers. Good news is Russell Westbrook will not be playing. Bad news is Eric Gordon and James Harden will be in after sitting out the San Antonio Spurs game. So, Bocci, you know, Houston's still trying to figure out where they're going to fall in the seating-wise. But um, it's going to be a tough game because the Pacers do want to stay in that 4-5 matchup. They, they want to take all the pressure off and just get this victory. Oh, no doubt. The Pacers are going to try and win this game. I mean, I think that if Philly loses today, it could influence a little bit, you know, about what you're going to do. But I, I strongly believe the Pacers are going to go out in hopes of winning this game against the Rockets. Small ball versus small ball. Unfortunately, the Rockets are, uh, you know, they play small ball a little bit better. Um, but I think for the Pacers, this is a key matchup where we talked about so much where Pacers are getting killed down low and by bigs. Well, Houston doesn't have a real big. You have Robert Covington and P.J. Tucker. So if the Pacers are going to be eaten alive by those guys, then there is major issues here, Alex. But <laughs> I'm I'm excited for this game. Uh, Russell Westbrook, a guy who struggled a lot last time the Pacers played him, uh, went 5 of 21 in a game that the Pacers lost 111 to 102. Best rem- remembered as the game where Brogdon left early and the Pacers were... They were in it going into the fourth, but Alex, that was a game where James Harden had 44 points. What can we do this time to try and limit Harden? Well, I mean, the only thing you really can do is try and double-team him and get the ball out of his hands, but James Harden sees double-teams almost every night. Yeah. 
And, you know, this might be a bit of a hot take, but James Harden might be the best offensive scorer in the entire NBA. Oh, I think he is. Um, I do. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, I, I really believe it. I mean, the way he creates for himself, um, whether you want to call it a travel or not, I mean, he's able to get the step back three on you. He's able to take it to the basket. He can dunk on you. He's a good post defender. Um, he's actually not a, a bad post player when he posts up. He's really smart, good passer. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely think that he is the uh, guy that you really have to keep your eyes on in this game. There's no doubt about it. But Eric Gordon coming back from injury, I would like to see how he looks. Um, maybe, you know, uh, P.J. Tucker went one of five from three today, so maybe he'll be a little cold. Maybe you can sag off if you're miles and, and kind of force those guys to beat you. Not really sure the perfect game plan against them, but I think with our small ball lineup, you just kind of have to switch everything and try to try to use Miles as the way uh, the way Miami used Bam Adebayo. Try to funnel things to where Miles can help protect at the rim. But you got to be smart on that three point line. You can't get get caught looking watching James because that's when he'll kill you. If you're sleeping and you're distracted by what James is doing, he'll kick it out to a guy like Ben McLemore, Austin Rivers, you know, Damari Carroll. These guys, if they're open. You know, they're threats from behind the arc. And, um, you know, I mean, I'm not I'm not too concerned about this game because I, I just don't think Houston's a great matchup for us. But um, just because they're so small. But, hey, it's a lot different not having Domas and Miles out there against this team. So um, I will say this. A lot of times you'll see centers guard Russell Westbrook because he's not a great shooter, not very efficient from beyond the arc. So I'm assuming if they start P.J. Tucker with Covington, and uh, Eric Gordon, I'm trying to figure out who their starting five would be. I mean, I guess you got to try to hide Miles on Tucker. That'd be the best matchup. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, I think so. Uh, that's what I would imagine right there. They, they love Ben McElmore. He, he gets uh, some starting minutes from them at times. Um, he, I think Aaron will guard Ben. Yeah, I, 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 could, I could see that, um, which is I'm more than fine with that matchup over here. But the big question is, Alex, when it comes down to shooting threes, Houston is the first team that comes to mind. Last matchup against the Pacers, they shot 46 threes. Pacers shot 33 in that game. I mean, it feels like we're never going to match them three for three. But it almost kind of feels like you got to shoot at least maybe 75% of the amount of threes that they're taking. Like, Because we've seen yeah. them not hesitate one bit and at times even put up 60 threes in a game. So there's a lot of firepower coming over there. And, you know, if you don't have Westbrook playing a guy who's not even really shooting threes anymore, might actually kind of benefit them to let it fly a little bit more in this game. Um, you know, like we talked about before, a game that, you know, you don't want to say it doesn't mean much because, hey, we are still fighting for that fourth seed. Oh, not the fourth seed, but, you know, the five seed. Um, but it just feels like, okay, we're not going to see Houston again. So... I'm curious to see how that how this plays out against Houston. I think this is a good opportunity to try and maybe get some guys back on track. I feel like what would be like something that you're looking to take away from this game. I would be hoping that we get T.J. Warren's confidence back, and maybe McBuckets could finally uh, McBuckets and Justin Holiday could finally start to let it fly a little bit more with some success. Yeah, I think this is a big game for uh, T.J. Warren to get back on track. That's a great point, and I was going to bring that up, so thank you for doing that for me. I really uh, – actually, um, it, it says that T.J. Warren is listed as out tomorrow versus the Rockets with a sore right foot. Um, Victor Oladipo, Malcolm Brogdon, and Miles Turner are all questionable. So no T.J. Warren tomorrow. 
So that's that's breaking news there from Tony East, our friend on Twitter, T-East NBA. Uh, yeah, so no no warn tomorrow. Maybe he was a little bit injured in that game. We know he's been dealing with that sore foot for the whole for the time being, so maybe they're trying to rest him for the playoffs. That'd make more sense. So, so now I'm assuming Justin's going to start. Uh, defensive reason wise and um yeah but i'm not i'm not sure what they're gonna do do here fudge but uh without without tj now i want to see how miles plays and if there's nobody that's gonna be able to really guard him i think i think tucker's probably strong enough to keep him off the block and i don't want miles to roam around there but i definitely think that he's going to be effective but this is a chance for oladipo and, and brogdon to kind of prove themselves uh as as primary scorers without tj out there on the court yeah, I, I definitely am curious to see that. Now, I don't want to be too hard on him because I am at times, but because Vic had a great game against the Lakers. He did. Last night against Miami, I don't know. I just felt like, I feel like at times Vic's relying a little bit too much on that three-point ball to the point where three of his four makes came from three. Does that worry you at all? Uh, I just think with Vic right now, you're not really sure what to get because it's going to be so back and forth. And um, because he's still co- recovering from that injury, and he didn't get a lot of good looks last night either. No. So it's just they got to do a better job. I and mean, we talked about Miami's defense, but Oladipo has got to do a he's got to do a better job of being more assertive. And we've seen him; we've praised him for being, you know, passive in a sense to allow T.J. Warren to continue his dominance um, in the bubble. But I think at the end of the day. When Victor's fully healthy, he's the best player on this Pacers team, and he's got to remember that. Um, he, 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 this sounds silly, but if he is leaving the Pacers after this, after the 2021 season, it would make sense to kind of just play, uh, play backup to T.J. Warren, kind of let T.J. handle all the uh, all the pressure. Because if he's not the go-to guy, the number one guy, there's not as much pressure on him. And uh, Pacer fans have kind of accepted that right now because they know he's hurt. But long story short here, Foch, I just think he's got to remember who he is and what he is here for. He's supposed to be the guy that is our face of the franchise. He's going to have to learn how to step up and uh, continue to, to grow as a player and grow as a star because we need him. Uh, we can't rely on Warren to put up 35 a game. We need, the, we need the Oladipo we saw against the Lakers every single night in the playoffs. Yeah, no, we, we do. I mean, that's no knock on T.J. Warren at all because he's already surpassed our expectations every single pacer fan did not expect what we have seen over the last few weeks and even leading us in scoring i mean i remember earlier in the year we were saying you know i could see this guy maybe taking a little bit of a hit on the score and maybe puts up about 16 a game well i mean coming into yesterday i think he was at about 20 points per game on the year you know he's had a great year but at the end of the day you still look to vic to say hey you know, this team's pretty much going to go as far as you can take us. And if he yeah. could become maybe 80% of the player that he was before on a nightly basis, then then I think that, you know, this Pacers team has an opportunity to get out of the first round. You know, that we're still trying to overcome some, some injuries here. So it's tough. We're trying to temper the expectations a bit. But knowing this, if Philly goes down today and you know that TJ Warren's hurt, you know that he barely, you know, he was questionable all day against Miami. Do you play him in that final game against Miami, or do you give him the extended rest? I mean, I think you give him the extended rest I if he's so hurt, too. especially if you're trying to prepare. 
especially if you if you know you're going to be playing the Heat, they're not going to show anything to each other in that final game. We've same. already seen, you know, I mean, they're not playing Myers Leonard, and that was somebody that we always had a, a nice advantage on because it just seemed like Sabonis was not affected by anything Myers Leonard did. So it was good to see uh, him not playing in the game after he blocked setting the pace on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, uh, so you know, but uh, anyway, long story short, I just, I just think that if the if the Sixers lose tonight, or the Sixers, you know, lose two of their next three games, and, and the Pacers don't have to play their stars, let them rest, because you're talking about how many games is it? Eight games in like 14 days. That's a lot of yeah. games. So these guys are probably a little rusty, and they hadn't been playing for a while either. So coming back, ramping it up, playing that many games, you're going to have injuries happen. You're going to have, have tweaks to the body. Let them heal up. You know they've they've looked pretty good. I mean the fact that they're what is it uh, four and two in the bubble so far. Mm-hmm. They've played pretty well. They probably played better than most people expected them to play as well. So I just say let them rest. Don't show your hand against Miami or Houston. I mean it doesn't really matter. Houston. I just want to see guys that play get a little more confidence. I think this is a great opportunity for Holiday, Justin Holiday, that is, and uh, Doug McDermott to get themselves going. And uh, maybe let Aaron Holiday play a little bit more point guard and not so much off the ball. See if he can get a little offensive rhythm going because I thought he looked really good in that Lakers game. He did. Um, with uh, you know the stat line he put up. So I mean, he's got he's he's been so phenomenal. I think he's been the X factor. I tweeted about it. I think Aaron Holiday has been the X factor for this paper, Pacers bubble team. And uh, I just want to see him continue to get rewarded for his hard play. I would like to see that too. I think this is this Houston game perfect opportunity for you know as you mentioned you know McDermott and Justin Holiday to let it fly from three. We're going to need more threes to take down a team like Houston. And the last thing I want to do is go all out against Miami in the last regular season game to try and beat them for some you know whatever it is you know a morale victory where it doesn't really mean much because you know. Miami at that point, having beat us three times in the year, they're not going to be going all out. The game on Monday night meant something for both teams. Jimmy Butler had missed the three games, so you knew he was playing. TJ Warren probably tried to fight through that injury, so I just feel like it's important to get guys like Vic a little bit of rest. Guys like Brogdon, who you don't want the ninth injury of the year. Eight's already enough. Let's rest him a little bit. So I, I think that assuming Philly loses... Two of the last three, which they play Toronto coming up, I think this is an opportunity for the Pacers to get a little bit of rest. And if you lose a game, you lose a game. Absolutely. I'm not too worried about these next two games, Botch. Let's just get into the playoffs healthy. We already have enough injuries as it is. And let's just let's just figure out a game plan to to attack the Miami Heat and make this a series because the last thing I want to see is the Pacers get swept by the Miami Heat in a playoff series. And if you look at the last three games where they've actually tried to game plan form, it's uh, they had a really nice showing that first game where they lost by one, I believe it was on the road in Miami with a chance and to they, win it at the end. Right. Yeah. So that, I mean, that was, that was a game on the road where they had a chance. And then the last two games, they just got completely manhandled by the Miami heat. So they got to figure something out. Miami is a little bit different with Jay Crowder and Andre Iguodala now in the rotation, but I don't think the Pacers are as bad as they played last night. So I want to see them continue to grow. I want to see them figure things out and change some things up a little bit. Um, we talked about not attacking Bam out of bio. I think that's good. But I think it's also smart to, you know, try to maybe get some more threes and get some more open looks. I'm not sure how you do that, but you got to figure some things out because if you're allowing Duncan Robinson 
uh, to go off. If you allow Tyler Hero and uh, what is this, Derek Jones Jr. to put up 35 points off the bench, you're not going to win. You're not going to win if the bench is outscoring the, our bench by like 40 points. So got to be got to be stronger and just got to figure out the best way to attack this team, especially with no Sabonis in there. No, it's true. Nate McMillan has quite the game plan to draw up moving forward because this is a team that, you know, like we mentioned, you're on pace to see about 11 times this year at, at most, assuming it could go to up to a game seven. You know, so if you're not prepared for this, then I feel like this kind of says a lot uh when we've heard the rumblings about nate so this series i think is going to be pivotal you know i we get it no no uh sabonis no lamb but the show must go on you got to make adjustments last night was not an example of that let's see what you got moving forward absolutely well this will wrap it up for another episode of setting the pace here on pacerstalk.net apple podcast spotify wherever you're listening thank you so much for joining us you can follow my guy michael jerome Facci at underscore F-A-C-C-I. I'm at Alex Golden NBA. And on Thursday, we will recap the Rockets game, do another preview of this Heat game, kind of look to more of a playoff um, a p- playoff preview, sort of. And uh, we'll have Kevin Bowen from 1070 The Fan joining us. He'll be a regular on our Thursday show now as a regular guest. So hope you guys tune in for that. And until next time, we'll talk to you all later. Peace out, Pacer Nation. Let's go, Pacers. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.